Wow, I'm very excited we're doing another episode of this. I know. Back, back, back again. Ten, nine, ignition sequence starts. Six, five, four, We're back. Hi um, to whoever's listening. I'm all 30 of you. Oh all 30 God. of you? 30! Woo! Um, Lex and I are separated now. <laughs> I went back. I'm back in New York City. New York is not dead, in case anyone was wondering. New York is good. Beautiful. New York will never die. Like, I really, I really think that that's just such a falsehood. Like, it just can't die. It's such an institution. I was, however, on the roof the other day with my new telescope, which... What? Speaking of telescopes, what? we'll be talking about the most famous telescope today. But um, my telescope is the second most famous telescope. I got it on Amazon.com. It, I, but it was very overcast when I went up to try and look at the moon. And I ended up just pointing it toward Manhattan. And it took me a long damn time to figure out how it worked. I, I actually brought it up the first time without one of the parts that was necessary. And so I couldn't see anything. And I'm like, it's broken. And then the next time <laughs> I brought up the other parts and it was fine. But anyway, you can see from my roof into the windows of the Empire State Building. That's pretty cool. See, it's insane. You can see in the Empire State Building. And I did witness the Empire State Building go dark. And I thought maybe New York has just died. I don't know what just happened. I think it was to honor the the Mets player that just passed away. Okay. But I actually still don't have an answer for why that happened. There's so many windows. Like, that's the thing about being on the roof is, like, so many lives unfolding before you. And with the telescope, it's like the ultimate remote control. You know? Maybe you'll find love, you know? Yeah. I I pan across a series of windows and see a girl also looking through a telescope. <laughs> that would be really cute. Yeah. Or really creepy. No, I think it's cute. I think that's cute. I'm going to go with cute. Okay. Um, yeah. Speaking of telescopes, do we need to talk about what this podcast is? or is it? I mean, I, it, this is I Need Some Space. You're Michaela. Yeah. You love space. I do. I still do. I'm going, uh, you know. It's been going strong. That's great. I still find comfort in like, I am telling you, if you have a hard time calming down, watch the mission highlights of any space shuttle flight. It's the most relaxing, the most relaxing, like probably hour and a half you'll ever have. Hour and a half? It's pretty long, but like you just have the constant whirring of the International Space Station. You have... Uh, people talking very gently and calmly. Right. And okay. just it's kind of like, like ASMR for it space. Is space SMR. Mm. <laughs> Have you heard of the Hubble Space Telescope? Yes, 100%. What are your, um, what is the common knowledge floating through your mind about the Hubble Space Telescope? I know it exists. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is significant. And that is it. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping many people know it exists. Um, but even if you don't know it exists, most likely, if you're a human being on this planet Earth, you have seen a photograph taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. 
the work. You, they're, they're in every single astronomy textbook ever. Really? Every astronomy textbook has a contribution from a discovery of the Hubble Space Telescope. It changed the game. So it's like the telescope. Um, yeah. I think it's like the telescope for right now. Let me, okay, wait. <laughs> Let me talk about how telescopes work. Um, but I will say on Earth, like we have telescopes that measure radio frequencies, like like wavelengths that we can't see with our eyes. Mm. We have telescopes that can measure like anything pretty much. And so there are telescopes on Earth that are just like, they don't look like your traditional telescope. They're actually just like huge mirrors, like 50 mirrors spanned thousands of feet apart. It sounds crazy, but that can collect an image. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like the biggest telescope we've ever built by any means, but it's the only one that we put in space. Oh, so it's in space. Yes. Okay. So I have to go. I, I'm excited, actually. I can be a little more like fundamental than I thought. So. Oh, break it down for me because all I know is that it exists. I don't know where it is. I don't know what she looks like. You know, oh. I don't know what her middle name is. I don't know anything. She doesn't have a middle name. I guess her middle name is Space, which is pretty cool. Well, what's her first name? Hubble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hubble Space Telescope. Stacy Bernadette Hubble the Fourth. <laughs> the Fourth. Um, so I think what we've talked about with the International Space Station will help you understand how Hubble moves and how it okay. got up there. But right. before I talk more specifically about Hubble, I'm going to talk about how telescopes work. How do telescopes work? Well, you'd think it just makes the thing bigger. It magnifies mm. an image. That is not necessarily the case. You can think of our own eyes as a telescope. All a telescope does is collect light. Okay. So they make things easier to see. It gathers light. Like, for example, if you put a bucket out in the rain, each droplet is light that is gathered by the, you know? <laughs> no, I love that metaphor. It's beautiful. I love okay. it. Um, so the bigger that either the lens or the mirror in the telescope is, the thing that is collecting the light. It's called the objective. The mm -hmm. larger your objective, the more light that you can collect. So okay. think about our own eyeball. What's collecting the light? What's the objective? It's our pupil. Oh. That's tiny. <laughs> like yeah. compare our pupil to like a lens that's 50 feet wide. What's going to collect more light? The huge the lens. lens. Yes. Yeah. So the bigger the objective, the bigger the telescope, the more you're going to be able to see. That makes sense. Yeah. So we knew that to see things really far out in space, we needed a big telescope. Mm -hmm. So we built them as big as we possibly could on Earth. And then we realized, here's the problem. Our atmosphere is like a turbulent, soupy gas of like dust and... Um, different gas. It's like a soup. That's what it was. Soupy to. gas. It's soupy. It's constantly moving. Just like when you're on a plane and you hit bumps. Yeah. When you look up at the sky, you kind of see those bumps, whether you want to or not. Right. That's why stars twinkle. That's why. Oh my God. Yeah, they twinkle because of soupy gas. They twinkle because they're so, their light is just swimming around in a tomato bisque that is <laughs> the atmosphere of our earth. So 
the big problem with telescopes on the Earth is that what we see is distorted by the atmosphere. Mm. And what we see also, <clears throat> like beyond the visible light spectrum, like ultraviolet light, infrared light, infra blah, 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 infrared light, gamma yeah. rays, x-rays, the atmosphere is actually designed to protect us from a lot of those wavelengths. Yeah, that's why it's so important that we don't burn a hole into the atmosphere. Absolutely. Even though it would make for better telescope use in that particular area, we don't want to burn a hole through the atmosphere <laughs> because it protects us from these wavelengths. However, we can still see images in these wavelengths. We want to see that data. And the only place to collect that data is beyond the atmosphere. Ooh. So... Actually, we've been thinking about this type of thing for a long time, putting a telescope in space. And it was actually, I'm going to do so much flipping because I have written all over this notebook in different places. Um, Dr. Lyman Spitzer, he's an astronomer, okay. astro right. not an astrologist. Come on, Michaela. An yeah, he's an astronomer. Astrology is fake. Astronomy is real. Got it. Right. Okay. He's an astronomer. Um, He's also known as the father of Hubble because it was him in around 1945 who was already thinking, well, a large reflecting satellite telescope is some years in the future. It is of interest to explore the possibilities of such an instrument. <laughs> Did you read his diary? Is that where you got that? <laughs> yes. I had to really, I had to get in touch with his and nieces and nephews and make sure they could dig it up. No, I'm just, no, we do our research here. We do our homework on I Need Some Space. Yes, I read all of the things that this man ever read. <laughs> um, so he was already thinking about a large reflecting satellite in telescope in space in 1945. It took until 1990 to actually make this happen. So it but, took a minute. Yeah, it definitely took a minute, but that's because it required a lot of different things to be working together. We needed not only the telescope itself, but a way to get it into space. And that took some time as well. Yeah. Um, what really gave this a nice kick was the shuttle program. hey -o. The idea that we could put something in the payload bay of a shuttle, like a satellite, like a segment of the International Space Station, like a big old telescope, send it up in space, release it in an orbit. And since the shuttles can be reused and repurposed, we can service that satellite while it is in orbit. Cool. That was revolutionary because everything has a lifespan. Like mm -hmm. this is at the end of the day, a piece of technology built in uh, on a factory floor. It's not gonna last forever. There had to be updates made to it. And as we'll see, one like very important thing needed to be added to it for it to function properly. But um, this was the first thing designed with the idea that we cannot fix this by bringing it back to Earth. Because the shaking of launch and reentry, it's such a sensitive piece of equipment that like any disturbance could ruin it. So mm -hmm. we could not bring it back home. Every way that we have to fix it has to be done traveling 17,000 miles per hour, 360 miles above the Earth's surface. Cool. Love it's that. so cool. Ah, I love it. So like 
people who service the Hubble Space Telescope, they're in a different orbit entirely than the International Space Station. The International Space Station is only orbiting about, only, only orbiting like 260 miles above the Earth. This is a full 100 miles further out. Wow. So it's like really far out there. And what makes it double scary is if something happens on this mission, you're in a completely different orbit. There is no way for you to link up with the ISS. It cannot be used as a safe haven. You are alone. Oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty scary. We've had telescopes. Actually, we don't know the first person who invented the telescope. Some would say it's Galileo. However, he was not the first person to invent it, but he was just really good at self-promotion. Mm. Ugh. <laughs> Galileo would just walk into every party like, hi, yes, I invented the telescope. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, but he really didn't. But he was the most famous for that. But that was in the 16th century. So it took us a long time to get to the point where we could say, hey, let's put it in space. Because we really didn't even know that that was possible. We had telescopes in the 16th century? We did. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Humans are so cool sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm just like, good job, guys. You know? Yes. We had, I mean, it's like a big step. I, I don't know. It depends how much you like space. I think where you put the telescope in terms of human invention. But mm-hmm. I think like agriculture was very important, obviously. That like started human civilization. Of course. We love agriculture. Agriculture, democracy, I think was super important. That's cute. And the telescope, <laughs> I think. It really put things in perspective for us. When we could only look up with our eyes, we thought we are the center of the universe. There's yeah. nothing else going on. All of a sudden, Galileo looked at the sky, saw Jupiter, saw moons rotating around Jupiter. And all of a sudden, we're like, wait, maybe we're not the center of everything. Like that one discovery led to then Copernicus saying, actually, the sun is the center of the universe. And we were like, what? Like, it just changed everything. And so did Hubble. Um, Mm. The Hubble telescope changed everything for us, too. And I'll get into that in just a moment. Okay. Here's how NASA works. (laughs) (laughs) NASA doesn't do everything. NASA hires contractors to do things that they specialize in. So the Hubble telescope was not just a NASA venture. Also, NASA needed funding from Congress. So a lot of people had to get involved in order to make this happen. So NASA chose the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. They're like, hey, you design it. Mm -hmm. And then they talked to Perkin Elmer Corporation for optics. They're like, you make the little glasses for it. And they're like, okay. And then Lockheed Martin was selected by NASA and they're like, you build it, put it together. And Lockheed Martin was like, cool. Then the Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland got involved. They're like, you lead the scientific instrument design. And the Johnson Space Center, they're like, you put it on the shuttle and make sure the astronauts are good. So NASA's really good at delegating. Oh, yes. At the end of the day, with all of the contractors, universities involved, this project, the Hubble's Telescope, spanned 21 states and 12 countries. 
Look at that space bringing us together yet again, really yet again. For the purpose of discovery. And we were really fair, I think, about, or I just admire the way that they delegated the, the observation time on the telescope as well, because the European Space Agency, our the European counterpart to NASA, yeah. they gave 15% of the funding. They're like, here's a full 15% of the money. And NASA's like, awesome. You get exactly 15% of the, the Hubble telescope observing time. You can use it 15% of the time. But I thought that sounded pretty fair. 15%. That's perfectly 15%. fair. Yeah. So um, actually, we work closely with Europe on the telescope. And all of the information from the telescope is sent to a giant center in Munich, Germany. That's really? where everything is distributed and stored. Ooh. It's a worldwide operation. And I, that is the thing that I'm really, really loving about space. Yeah. Like just how collaborative any um, space venture has to be. It's, it, it has to be collaborative, which is cool. Um, okay. The Hubble Space Telescope. Dun, dun, dun. So it was launched in a shuttle. Okay. A space shuttle's not incredibly huge. It's pretty big. It's it's smaller than a Boeing seven forty seven, but it's big. It's big. It's yeah. it's pretty. Actually, they're pretty huge. Yes, but um, <laughs> the section that you can put stuff in, called the payload bay, that is not the the entire shuttle. Okay. It's most of the shuttle, but it's not the crew quarters, the flight deck, any of that. It's just like the right. middle chunk, the body of the shuttle. That's where you put stuff. And that's okay. where they put the Hubble telescope. This thing is about the size of a large bus. It is 43 feet long. Think like one and a half London buses. Yeah, that's the image that I have when you said large bus. Yes, that's like about, double decker. about yeah. one and a half of those. It's 43 feet long. It's a and big telescope. It is. It's like 14 feet wide. So it's a huge yeah. tube. It's a huge tube in space. It has two 25-foot solar panels. That oh, is she solar-powered? She's Everything in space, she's solar-powered. Oh, come on, Earth. Let's get with it. Guess how much, what household object would you say has the same energy as the Hubble telescope. I don't mean vibe. I mean actual wattage. <laughs> I don't know. Like, my fridge? Oh, no. Your no. hair dryer. My hair dryer? It, this, the Hubble telescope runs on about the same power as a fucking hair dryer. Wow. Yes. Amazing. That is amazing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it does not take a lot of energy at all, but it does have these 25-foot long solar panels, and it has a storage capacity for that energy of like 22 car batteries. So Sweet. it's storing up the energy, um, but what it is mostly are mirrors, cameras. It's a giant tube so that light can get absorbed reflected refracted spun around split open we're doing everything to the light to get the type of image that the observation requires okay and it can see light from ultraviolet all the way to infrared wow with all the visible light in between jeez that's a lot of light it is and all we have to do is point it 
in the direction of what we're trying to see. That makes sense. That feels pretty intuitive. Yeah. Here's the problem with pointing it in the direction of what we're trying to see. This thing is not standing still. Oh yeah. It's rotating. It's orbiting around the earth. Yeah. Also, if you put something in orbit, it, it's not like streamlined, like just floating through space. Like we, it has to orient itself all different directions. Yeah. So its natural tendency would be to topple head over foot. It it wants to spin. Like that's what it naturally wants to do because of the distribution of its weight. It doesn't do that because there are over 3000 moving sensors on the Hubble telescope orienting it at all times. Three gyroscopes, like some of the best, most intricate gyroscopes. You know what a gyroscope is? No. Like, um, you know, when you, when something is in the middle of something that's spinning and it like stays still because of the centrifugal force of the spinning thing, there are like thousands of those. Actually, maybe there's only six. I, I don't... <laughs> There are either thousands or there are six of them. There might be only six, but there are thousands of things that are constantly like, this is where we're oriented and this is where we have to go and stay, right. stay there, don't move, move to the left, move a little bit, but it's happening. Oh, your other left. Yeah. <laughs> your other left, Hubble, your other left. But it's uh, constantly monitoring its own position. Okay. And we are able to send signals from the ground move a little bit this way, go a little bit this way. This is exactly where we need you to look. Yeah. It is so accurate that if you were pointing from the Hubble telescope, if it shot a laser beam at a dime, you know, like a little dime, FDR's head on the dime, it could hit that, that it could hit FDR on the dime from 200 miles away. That's pretty accurate. It is so accurate. It blows my mind. I don't understand. Like, I mean, the NASA website gives you all these comparisons. It's like, oh, it's like a hair a hundred miles away, a fraction of a human hair and you touch. And I'm like, I I don't understand. It's literally so accurate that I can't even comprehend it. I, I don't know how they did this. I don't know. It's a mystery. Maybe it's fake. You know, there is a point. <laughs> these things and I'm like, is this all a lie? Because it's amazing. Actually, I can tell you there are five main components that these were the initial devices that everyone signed off on. Is like, yes, the money is worth it for this thing. Here okay. are those five things. There's the faint object camera. That was actually given to us by the European Space Agency. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Europe. The wide field planetary camera. Okay. Uh-huh. The faint object spectrograph. Now, what a spectrograph does, think Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon album cover, that prism. Got it. Got it. Splitting the light into its component wavelengths. That's a spectrograph. So there's a faint object spectrograph, there's a high resolution spectrograph, and there's a high speed photometer. And a photometer, um, all that does is measure the intensity of the light. Okay. We are collecting light, we're splitting it up, we're measuring the intensity of it. We're taking pictures, we're absorbing, we're putting things together, and we are putting together the mosaic of space. We're taking Ooh, one picture profound. of a star. 
Isn't that beautiful? We're taking one picture at a time, moving it around, taking another picture. We're putting it all together. Yeah. And the Hubble telescope has been able to see objects so faint that they are from around 13 billion years ago. That's wow. very close to the Big Bang. Not at the Big Bang, but we are seeing so far back in time, farther than we ever thought possible. And it has been in continuous operation for 30 years. Wow, she's 30. Oh my God, she's like an adult. She's dirty 30. The Hubble telescope actually just turned dirty 30 uh, on April 24th. She, what does that make her? Like a, what is that? Oh yeah, what sign is she? April she's 24th. April 24th. I think she's a uh, Taurus. Oh, I love it. She is a Taurus. I love a Taurus. Me too. I get along well with Tauruses, apparently. I had a psychic tell me once that I was going to marry a Taurus whose <gasps> name like, starts with J. And I was like, okay, oh. great. Yeah. I don't know how, how good she was of a psychic. She was literally just like in a shop in Harvard Square, but like, whatever. That feels pretty specific though. Like, yeah. I feel like that's really risky for a psychic to give you that much. I mean, what am I going to do? Track her down in 20 years after I marry someone named Tim who's an Aquarius? Like, <laughs> So let's talk about the launch. All right. April 24th, 1990. What a year. Wow, we weren't even alive yet. No, we weren't. This was six, five years before your birth. Six years. My birth. Um, I actually just want to find the names of the astronauts because we're an astronaut-centric podcast. We like to talk oh, about yeah. the astronauts themselves. We're all about dead astronauts. Oh, yes. And I actually... Um, feel like I have a funny conspiracy theory about Hubble, which I'll go into in a moment. But we, you know I love a conspiracy theory. may have to do with astronauts. But on April 24th, 1990, this was Space Shuttle Flight 31, STS-31 Discovery. They launch with Hubble in their payload bay. So this shuttle launch is literally like kind of hugging this bus. That's how I picture it because everything's so cute. I just think space is adorable. Holding onto this bus telescope and it launches and the next day they're going to deploy it. The astronauts on this flight were Lauren Shriver, not a woman, a man, Lauren. A male Lauren. A male Lauren, but it's L-O-R-E-A-N. Oh, Lauren. Lauren Lauren Shriver. Charles Bolden Jr. Bruce McCandless II. That's hot. That's a hot ass name. I couldn't decide if it was McCandless or McCandles. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like McCandles. Yeah. Bruce McCandles the second. Stephen Hawley, Sally Ride's husband. Hey. husband, And they mm. were married at the time. And second woman in space, Kathy Sullivan. When they deployed Hubble. Yeah. Everything seemed to be working okay. Until... They started to, um, they started to unravel the solar panels, mm-hmm. and it stopped. And they were like, "Oh shit! Like <laughs> this is not good. We have to do a spacewalk to repair oh, these." So no. Sullivan was suited up for a spacewalk with one of the other astronauts. I don't know which one. I feel bad, but I don't. I bet it was Bruce. It was probably Bruce. So he was in. Uh, she was in the airlock. Yeah. Up, ready to go. All the while, they were communicating with ground. 
uh, the other astronauts, ground control, and they realized there's a part of the solar panel that's called the tension monitoring module. All it means is it's a little sensor that senses when things are getting a little too tight and it stops the solar panel from opening because it's afraid it's going to rip. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make any of the jokes that I want to make. Absolutely. Great. I don't hear the... What is it? Then is don't it worry a butthole? about it. What is it? It is. It is. <laughs> but don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, it clenched its little butthole. <laughs> the the solar panel was like, no. Oh my god, our and, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay. And basically, what Houston did is sent it a, a like a digital popper to read. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. That's, That's a great metaphor. What happened? They yeah. they just all they did was turn it off, and they're like, "I think it's just overreacting. Let's try yeah. turning it off." Houston and just whispered in his ear and said, "Take a deep breath. <laughs> just try to think out. Think out. <laughs> it's gonna be fine." So right. anyway, um, and it it took a deep breath, and they're yeah. solar rays, and so Hubble was deployed. <laughs> least they watched it float away and all the while kathy sullivan was decompressing in an airlock unable to witness any of this and she's so sad that she never saw hubble deploy but um she was there doing her job and she didn't have to go out in space that time so i would have just gone out for the hell of it i would have been like you know what y'all had me (laughs) in here decompressing i'm going on a spacewalk fuck it open the door um Oh, it was Bruce. Bruce was the one in the airlock with Kathy. Kathy and Bruce. Okay. My third eye is wide open. Let it me tell really you. It is Bruce McCandles the third. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is such a hot name. I can't even get around it. You really think so, Bruce? <laughs> name and Bruce that's not hot. I'll wait. Would you consider the shark from Finding Nemo hot? Absolutely. He's Australian. <laughs> so Kathy and Bruce did not get to see this happen. But um, all they didn't get, at the end of the day, a few weeks later, maybe they were a little relieved because a few weeks later, the Hubble telescope was the biggest story in the U.S. for the yeah. worst of reasons. Oh, no. They come down. They're, they're really unable to know if it works. All they could yeah. do was deploy it. They had to come back home. They come back home. We wait two weeks and we get our first images trickling in. These images are not very good. Oh no. They are blurry. The stars have a halo of light surrounding them. And it took the scientists a long time to figure out what the hell has gone wrong here. Someone touched the lens? No. (laughs) That would have been really quite a bummer. (laughs) But but things like that have happened in NASA's history, as we've seen. One little mistake um, can really destroy it all. But no. Everything was perfect it the mirror was beautiful it was ground to precision the problem yeah. is the number was incorrect the number it of found it to the wrong prescription essentially oh. the angle of the mirror was off by like a fraction of a human hair a fraction so upsetting and it's not because anyone made a mistake in the actual polishing and grinding. It was just really the number that they reached was the incorrect number because 
that was the number that got, it was a number problem. It was such a small number. And what that caused it to do is when you reflect light off a mirror, like a mirror in a telescope, it's all channeled into like a cone and it reaches one point. The light comes Mm -hmm. together at a point. So the problem with this mirror is the light was just barely intersecting. It wasn't meeting one point. Late night hosts were joking about this. Newspaper headlines saying billion dollar mistake, NASA's biggest blunder, you know, like it was, it was awful. And the people who worked on Hubble for like their lifetime were devastated, obviously. But they came up with an idea. They're like, okay, we were going to service this anyway. We have a service mission planned. There's another camera that we're going to add to this. And we were planning on adding it later. Let's put glasses on the camera. Nice. Essentially, that's what they came up with. They needed to give Hubble corrective optics. They needed to give it glasses. Even Hubble wears glasses. Yes. Hubble has the biggest pair of glasses ever. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's really not true because the lenses of the glasses are about the size of nickels and quarters. It's like a series of lenses yeah. that they installed in a spacewalk and they deployed and it just perfectly intersected the beam of light that well I want to I want this to sound like so cool. It works at the end of the day, but I wanted it to sound oh, dramatic. So spoiler I Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um here's where my conspiracy theory began. Began. Okay. The first servicing mission took place three years after Hubble was deployed. So Hubble was deployed 1990. It took them three years to make these glasses, plan the mission, pick the astronauts, make sure they knew what they were doing. On December 2nd, 1993, yeah. the Space Shuttle Endeavor launches to the Hubble Space Telescope carrying the astronauts. I got this. Carrying the astronauts. Richard Coby, Ken Bowersox, Claude Nicolier, Jeffrey Hoffman, Story Musgrave, Thomas Akers, and Kathy Thornton. Another. Uh-oh. A different Kathy, but Catherine nonetheless. Yeah. Kathy Thornton is the one who on the spacewalk takes the refrigerator size optics. It's called CoStar, by the way, what they named it. CoStar stands for... Mm-hmm. CoStar stands for Corrective Optics Space Telescope Axial Replacement. She slid it into place, click, click, boom, boom. The mirrors deploy, the lenses deploy in the path of the light coming into Hubble. Again, they had to wait some time. They come back home. By the way, this first servicing mission took five separate spacewalks to achieve what they needed Whoa. to But they did it. They came back home. They had to wait two weeks and essentially they took the bandages off Hubble's eyes. They had to like mm-hmm. wait for it to like heal, you know? Yeah. And the first images come in and they are breathtaking. Like they're incredible. Yes. Beautiful. It worked. And it's delightful to see a room of like nerdy 1990 scientists leaning over a computer and then they all go, yeah, frick yeah. I think one guy says, frick yeah. Or <laughs> frick. I don't know. They were excited. These these little <laughs> nerds were like so pumped. That's a direct quote. Frick yeah! Frick yeah! We did. One guy said, "We did it." I did. Aww, you really did do it. You did. We did it. Frick they yeah! Did. Hubble was the images were stunning, 
Yeah. And it really changed everything because it made space beautiful. Like we could only kind of imagine what it really looked like, what a galaxy really looked like. We didn't yeah. really know. And it's one thing to say like, here's the equation for the event horizon of a black hole. Isn't that interesting? Versus being able to show someone, here's a picture of a black hole. Yo. It just made I've seen a couple of pictures go, of black holes in my life. <laughs> it made everyone go like, oh my God, that's amazing. That and is amazing. It sparked, uh, it made space gorgeous. It made space. It is art. It turned space into art. Indeed, the mosaic of space spread <laughs> across the cosmos. Well, I, I just Googled what Hubble looks like. It is dead ass, just like a big ass cylinder up it's there. It's a big tube. It's a yeah. big tube. Um, so servicing missions continued to be planned because they had to continue replacing and upgrading the parts of this telescope to have it survive. So servicing mission two launched February 1997. 3A, I don't know why they called it A, but 3A launched December 1999. And then um, 3B launched on March 2002. Okay. So here's the thing that happened on February 2000, in February 2003. Yeah. The Columbia Space Shuttle um, was destroyed on reentry, mm. and we lost the lives of seven astronauts. Yeah. This, very similar to Challenger, stopped NASA in its tracks. Yeah. They had to take a break, and they had to reevaluate. So that meant that the fourth and final Hubble servicing mission almost didn't happen. Wow. It was planned. And after Columbia, it was deemed too risky. And they were like, you know what? Actually, we're not doing this. Let's just, we just have to let it decay and we'll get as much out of it as we can. And uh, that's what we thought was going to happen. However, the public, because they had already seen these images, started lobbying Congress. They started writing to Congress, to NASA. There were kindergartners saying, save our telescope, writing little letters to people. And you know what? It goddamn worked. <laughs> In 2006, NASA got a new administrator named Michael Griffin. And mm -hmm. he announced that there would be a shuttle service mission to the Hubble telescope. And the response was huge. Like he announced this at some type of NASA thing. I don't know. But all of the nerds in the audience stood up and applauded. And they're like, yes, this was a bold, brave thing to do. They're yeah. like, we had that tragedy, but we're coming back stronger. Let's save the telescope because the kindergartners want us to. And everyone was like, okay, let's do it. On this fourth service mission, were the astronauts. Some of my faves. Um, where are they? Okay, the fourth um, mission was 2009. So they literally waited six years after Columbia and yeah. they launched it. 2009, Scott Altman, Gregory Johnson, John Grunsfield, Andrew, um, Fuse Andrew Fusil, and Mikey Massimino, my, <laughs> one of my faves. Nice. Mike Massimino. And Megan MacArthur, Bob Bankin's wife, a uh, recent space uh, crew dragon guy, you know, Bob Bankin, his wife. <laughs> yeah, space dragon, yep. Space dragon guy. Uh, <laughs> his wife was on this mission. And uh, so, again, the only woman. So, first woman, uh, Kathy. Second yep. woman, Kathy. Kathy. Third woman, Megan. 
but I saw a little K in front of her first name. And no. I was like, what could that be? And I clicked, Catherine. Wow. Is that like a requirement to be an astronaut? You have to be named Catherine? No, but I'm thinking it's a requirement to be a female astronaut on a shuttle, on a Hubble servicing mission. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be named Kathy. The day that they send a woman not named Kathy to Hubble will be the first time that's happened. Wow. Every single woman that has touched Hubble in space is named Catherine. Wow. Isn't that's that weird? Maybe huh. Kathy. Maybe you are just like more likely to be an astronaut if your name is Kathy <laughs> than any other name. There are a lot of Kathys. I'm shocked at the number of Kathys. Huh. Just like in my aunt's friend group, I'm shocked at the number of Debbies. Like well, <laughs> sometimes you're I'm gonna name Kathy. my daughter Catherine just so she can be an astronaut. That's perfect. With a K. It has to be with a K. I've seen no C's. Only can you the Catherine with a C? Yeah, that's like the that's the way I always liked it spelled. Catherine, like the French Catherine. Catherine, beautiful. Ah, we Kathy, space Kathy. Je m'appelle Kathy. So every every woman has been named Kathy. I don't want to say like one thing is cooler than another thing, but like in terms Go of ahead, the say I, it. say it. I think Hubble is one of the greatest scientific collaborations we've ever had. Like, as human beings, yeah. I think to come together and look that deep into space, could you imagine? Like, we, I can't believe... Galileo would shit himself. Yeah. He would. Yeah, he would. If, imagine showing Galileo a picture of, like, a galaxy. And then he'd be like, I took that picture. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, I took that picture. Actually, that was me. <laughs> That's how Galileo talks. Yeah, he'd probably take credit for it, but you know what? It would blow his mind. Yeah. First. After he shits himself. He'd shit himself and then be like, yeah, but I took that picture. <laughs> I just really had to shit. <laughs> I was holding it in for four <laughs> centuries, but now. Um... Oh, here's something I wanted to say about the way it moves, Hubble. Um, so yeah, it uses no more, no more power than a hairdryer. It's really, it, it's not running on a lot of power. Um, and there are no thrusters. So the way that it actually orients itself, uh, especially yeah. with the gyroscope, like the gyroscopes tell it that it's in the right spot, but how it actually moves is it just has some like wheels that, that turn it and the mm -hmm. way the wheels move, uh, they use, Newton's third law of motion. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That's my favorite law. I, it makes so much sense. So if it yeah. wants to go that way, it spins its wheels the other way. And it turns a little bit that way. And it doesn't turn very quickly. It turns about the speed of a minute hand on a clock. So okay. So if you want to turn at 90 degrees, it's going to take you 15 minutes to do so. Right. Okay. But 90 degrees is kind of a lot. Um, it goes around the Earth once every about 95 minutes. So the ISS is orbiting it. This is kind of just fun math. The ISS is moving at 17,500 miles an hour. Yeah. And it goes around once every 90 minutes. The Hubble is a little farther out, which means it can go a little slower and still stay in orbit because it doesn't, the pull of Earth's gravity isn't as significant. So it's actually only going at 17,000 miles an hour. And it is 
going around the earth every 95 minutes. Cool. Just a little slower. Um, And yeah, so basically if you think about what it's doing right now, and it is up there right now, it's just like turning very slowly, um, absorbing light, sending pictures back to us, and uh, there's little gyroscopes just like wiggling. It's There's a lot of things like wiggling and <laughs> it's just zooming through space. Yeah. Just wiggling around up there. Love that. Yeah, that's zooming awesome. and wiggling. And the amount of data that we've obtained since it began is 150 terabytes of information. Now, I, just to put that in perspective, because I didn't know what a terabyte was. And oh, I, really? upon reading about it, I still don't really understand it. I needed a comparison. So the Library of Congress, their archive, the Library of Goddamn Congress has yeah. about 74 terabytes of public information. Oh, shit. So the Hubble telescope has more than double the amount <laughs> Um, a terabyte is huge. That's a gigantic. lot of information. Yeah. This thing has taken so many pictures and made so many discoveries. Over 17,000 scientific papers have been written using discoveries from the Hubble telescope. 17,000. And those have been cited in like 200 something thousand others. Every astrology, uh, I said astrology again. Every astronomy textbook. Fake fan. Michaela Fagan is a fake fan. <laughs> I actually am only interested in star signs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to next do. week, we're going to be talking about Virgos. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Actually, next week, I think we're going to talk about the moon. <gasps> I love the moon. Just the moon. All about yeah. the moon. And I think I kind of want to talk about Artemis as well, our new program to land someone on the moon. To land a woman. Um, Complete side note, I was talking to Erica yesterday, and I think her cousin works for SpaceX. <gasps> yeah, and she was like, if you want to... Inf- I think it's her cousin. I, I mean, I'm not sure what the direct relation is. Maybe it's her something. Someone related to her in some way works for SpaceX, and she can hook that up. If I were you, I'd reach out to her. Oh my ask. God, I will. That is so cool. How do you get time on the Hubble Space Telescope? How, how can you, Lex Bonner, tell it what to point at? You probably can't, um, but money. you're allowed to apply. No, it's not money. Here's the no. real cool thing. I'm pretty sure it's like a public service at this point. Like, I'm pretty sure what pays for it is taxpayer money. And like, I should look into this. I actually really don't know. But even before the Hubble was launched, so when it was, it got its funding, by the way, in 1977. That's when Congress gave it the okay. And it was actually ready to go in 1985. However, again, the disaster of the space shuttle Challenger stopped in its tracks. Shuttle service was stopped for two years. And so it wasn't launched until 1990. In 1983, um, the Space Telescope Science Institute was started at the Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. So yeah. this was just a little subset of their department that they, uh, their whole thing was to evaluate the proposals for telescope time and they managed all of the resulting observations. So this is a big okay. job. Yeah. Um, so they were already thinking about like, how are we going to give people time? And they developed this whole institute in order to do so. There are applications for telescope time 
once a year they put them out. You are welcome to apply no matter what country you're in, what yeah. language you speak, what education level you are, no matter what, no matter who you are. You can apply to have your scientific observations made on the Hubble telescope. Nice. The thing is, it's an incredibly competitive process. And you have to prove that you require the Hubble telescope to, to oh. make your observation. That's the thing. Okay. Right? If you can use a ground-based telescope, yeah, it's not going to fly. You need to prove that you cannot be obstructed by the atmosphere and whatever you're trying to discover. And you right. need to be trying to answer a mystery about the okay. universe. Don't, don't give us some shit we already know, okay? Right. This has to be new. This has to change something. Okay. And uh, you know what? People apparently have been thinking about those things because it's booked solid. She's booked. She's booked and busy? She's booked and busy. She's constantly uh, doing stuff. Ugh. People are like. really just, they have a lot of questions, I guess. I, I don't feel like I've ever really asked a question that I couldn't Google. So right. good for you all who are coming up with questions that we require a telescope to, to find the answers to. Amazing. A space telescope. So to wrap this up, and we will talk about that astronaut, but to wrap this up real quick, the Hubble telescope is our window to the universe. Oh. Isn't that a beautiful way to say it? That's, That's what, when it launched, I, I love the sound clip of this launch, 1990, when, when the Hubble goes up and it's like, there goes Space Shuttle Discovery with the Hubble telescope, our window to the universe. Like that's what, it was amazing. I love it, it's so beautiful. Um, what I found out is that we're working on something else because this thing's 30 years old. She's Hubble she's, part two, the remix Hubble part two, the remix, the James Webb space telescope. Oh, this thing oh is bigger. It's badder. It, it can see, they think it's going to be able to see like to almost the beginning of the universe, probably things a hundred million years after the big bang not a billion a hundred million it's huge numbers but we're thinking we're gonna see more than we've ever seen before we're gonna like look at like, god's living room jesus could you imagine if we just see god watching tv like <laughs> and he's just like what the what the, huh? we're gonna see i mean if you just think about like the images that we took before we had probes before we had hubble yeah. It's nothing. It's just dots in the sky. And then all of a sudden we saw the beautiful colors of these nebulas and galaxies. It was, the jump was exponential. Mm. So I can only imagine what we're going to see with this one. Like, what is the next step? What's the next level? Is it God? What are we going to see? Oh, I, I can't no. Oh, you know no. what? We don't have to wait that long because no? this thing is going to launch October 21st of 2021. What? Next year. That's like literally in a year from now. It's a, pretty much one year from now. It's not going to launch from NASA. This is not, this is not a, an American like, woo, we're doing this. This is a global enterprise. This is a global project. Yeah. This particular telescope will be launching from French Guyana. Where's French Guyana? It's in South America. It's like next to, it's on the northeast coast of south america okay pretty much like if you flip honestly like where cape canaveral is in florida if yeah you flip it right over the equator it's like right there like it's kind of the same idea okay like 
distance from the equator. And I'm sure there's something about that particular area that makes it good to launch to space from. Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I didn't even know French Guiana existed until about two minutes ago. So yeah. Well, they have a space agency. <laughs> they have a space um, center. Sorry. And uh, we're going to launch the James Webb Space Telescope from that. What I don't know is what's going to happen with Hubble. Will we leave it there until it breaks? Will we set it on a trajectory to return to Earth and crash and burn? Will, a, will something be sent to retrieve it? I don't know. The other telescope will just eat it. <laughs> it's gonna full-on pac-man the hubble like, it just it. Yeah. um i don't really know what what's gonna happen with it but we'll find out and um they're gonna they're gonna bring it back down and then they're gonna put it in the amusement park at the uh candy space center yeah honestly yeah. it is a relatively the size of a bus um i think it can make a really nice like a uh, hotel or a <laughs> An Airbnb. Yeah. An Airbnb. Where are you staying? Oh, Airbnb. I'm just staying in Hubble. Don't worry about it. That would be pretty cool. You would do it. I know you'd do it. I mean, if I had the money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. You imagine sleeping in a telescope? That would probably be really cozy. Mm. I like it. Just a cylinder, a cold metal cylinder <laughs> with mirrors. Actually, it sounds horrific. <laughs> and that, any questions about the Hubble Space Telescope? What do you think that people would want to know? I feel like you covered it. I feel like that's it. Like I know a lot more than I did. I don't have any questions. I know from its like conception to where it is today. And what's kind of neat to think about is it was launched before our birth, but not by much. And that means whenever we were living on this earth, um, there has always been a telescope orbiting above us looking at not everyone has had that we're like probably one of the first generations that has grown up knowing well not that we knew when we were little kids this was going on but we've never had to live without the discoveries of hubble we never lived in a world where we didn't know what it looked like um, in the night sky so work i love that um our dad astronaut segment today you know i was gonna talk about all the kathy's (laughs) And special shout out to all the Cathy's. But yeah. actually, I, I want to give an update on some of our previous dead astronauts. Okay, so who's dead astronaut? We're talking about Sonny Williams again. Okay. <laughs> and Dr. Jeanette Epps again. Okay. Because, very exciting. This, this announcement was now made a couple weeks ago. However, I'm still yeah. absolutely so excited. And I want to share it with our listeners in case they don't know. Sunny, so Sunita Williams, um, she's, oh my God, I love her. And <laughs> Dr. Jeanette Epps, oh my God. Dr. Epps has never been to space before. But she was just announced that she will be joining the first crew a Boeing Starliner CS, oh, sorry, CTS Starliner One crew with Sunita Williams. Two ladies. Two ladies. And John Casada, um, who is an American astronaut. We're a lucky guy. Yeah, lucky. He gets to go to space with Sonny and Jeanette, baby. That's right. He's going to straight up tens, baby. <laughs> there will be one more astronaut joining this crew. Yeah. However, they will not be from America. They will most likely be from Japan, Canada, or the European Space Agency. Work. Now, this mission 
and why uh, it is not a Russian cosmonaut is this is the first crewed mission of the Boeing Starliner. So just like we saw Bob and Doug launch on the SpaceX Crew Dragon, that was one, um, I know it sounds crazy, it all sounds crazy and like futuristic, but it's happening. Um, Bob and Doug launched the ISS on SpaceX. So that's, um, what's his name? Elon Musk's company that NASA contracted to, to bring astronauts to the space station. The other company that NASA contracted was Boeing. Boeing came up with the Boeing Starliner. Now the commander of this Starliner will be Sunita Williams. She's She's commanding this Starliner. This is the first crewed mission to the International Space Station. It will be launching in December 2021. So a few months after the James Webb telescope gets up in the air, Sunny and Jeanette are going. 2021 is going to be a big year. It is going to be huge. The next few years are going to be huge. From now until we get someone on Mars, things are going to be happening. Boom, 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 boom. Like, it is going down. We took the last, like, 10 years after the shuttle program ended to really ramp up our space capabilities in a private um, capacity, not NASA, but the contractors and private companies. And now, like, we're ready to go. We're ready to launch. And we have the astronauts that are going to do it. And the people right now, honestly, kids who are like 18, 19, 20, these kids who are right now going to school and learning about aerospace and maybe going into the military and hoping to be astronauts, they are going to be the ones that are going to set foot on Mars. That's beautiful. It's amazing. This is an We're amazing. See that. We're going to see that in our lifetime. We're going to see people on Mars. We will. I really believe that to be true. And God, I hope that it is successful and they get home okay. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No disasters. No Apollo 1, please. But this particular mission, the Boeing Starliner first crewed mission, um, they're they're going to the International Space Station. They're going to stay for a while. We have Sunny Jeanette Josh, who is, yeah, very lucky to be up there with two very hot and capable ladies. And the fourth astronaut will not be from Russia because Russia is refusing to send a cosmonaut on the first crewed mission until they return their first crew safely. So Russia's like, actually, we don't trust you guys. Why don't you go up first and then we'll hop on and see how... So I just thought that was kind of like shady of Russia. I mean, Russia's shady. Let's just be real. Yeah, I was so jazzed that Sunny and Jeanette are gonna be together. I think that's incredible. Because Jeanette's never been to space and they both put out these really adorable videos on their Twitter. So everyone's all excited that Jeanette's going to space. I saw all the astronauts retweeting like, congrats to Jeanette Epps. Like we're gonna be rooting. I like that you're fully involved in like astronaut Twitter. Astronaut Twitter is a really fun place <laughs> to be. It's a really fun. So I'm so excited. I just think it's funny too that the first person we picked as dead astronaut and the second person we picked as dead astronaut uh, seemingly no connection between them. Now their lives depend on each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's a beautiful thing. There you go. You're welcome, girls. I can't wait to see them in their spacesuits. I can't wait. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Double they're they're dead astronauts. Say, uh, once again, they're dead astronauts. We got two astronauts. And Josh, and I don't, you know. Josh, you you can totally be that astronaut as well. Yeah, let's see if Josh is hot. I don't know.
Oh no. If he's not hot though, I don't want to put poor Josh on blast. Josh. I think he's hot probably. Josh. Um, is that with a K or with a C? C. Josh? Oh, he is kind of hot. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Josh. Okay. All right. All right now. He's so cute. You're my dad astronaut, Josh. He's really cute. Wow. And he's a PhD. Wow. What a crew. That was the Hubble Space Telescope. Work. Um, Please, if you're interested, go on NASA's website. They have so much information about Hubble. You can see the image that was taken on your birthday. You can see what it's looking at now. You can figure out who's applying for time. There's so much information and so many beautiful images. I bet you you've already seen some and you, you may not even know that the photographer was Miss Hubble. Was Miss <laughs> Hubble Space Telescope. You're already familiar with her work, I promise. Mm. So that's all I have to say about Hubble. Next week, we're going to talk about the moon. The moon. I love the moon. I love the moon too. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks and gals and gender non binary people. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.